I am a doctor. I am a data collector. I'm a pharmacist. I am a clinician. I am a counselor. I am a nurse. When the AIDS pandemic hit, we had information, but with COVID-19, we were never ready for the real impact. We are frontline workers regardless of the pandemic. We had to become resilient. That was our biggest motivator. We are health providers. 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 Welcome to the third episode of Pata Podcasts, a series brought to you by Pediatric Adolescent Treatment Africa. I'm your host, Andisiwe May. In this series, we amplify the voices and experiences of health providers sharing promising practices and innovative solutions with their peers, taken from lessons learned during the coronavirus pandemic. In the previous episode, we looked at how health facilities adapt HIV treatment and care for children, adolescents, and young people during the COVID-19 pandemic. In this episode, we hear from two health providers about the importance of managing stress and self-care as a health provider and how to take care of your mental health to ensure that you continue providing critical health care on the front line. Mental health for me is about the way we think, the way we feel, and the way we express ourselves emotionally, the way we express ourselves verbally, and our behavior. That is Roger Bedford, a clinical psychologist at Promontus Healthcare in Cape Town, South Africa. Roger works broadly in the field of psychotherapy as well as supervising psychotherapists and counsellors. I've got specific interest in trauma work and in addiction work and both of those have come to the fore in terms of dealing with uh, mental health issues with uh, COVID-19, primarily with uh, frontline healthcare workers and what they've been exposed to. A lot of what we've learned about uh, coping with the virus on so many different levels, but particularly for me on an emotional level, has been learned on the job. Roger admits to struggling with maintaining a routine as part of adjusting his workflow to strictly online during the COVID-19 pandemic. The time he would use to clear his head before starting his day during his drive to work was substituted with a walk or exercise in the mornings. However, the lack of interaction that he would get from colleagues and the usual cup of coffee they would converse over once he arrived at work left him feeling lonely during the lockdown period. With a major focus on trauma counselling during the pandemic, some of the things that health providers have battled with include the overwhelming praise that they have received from the media and global communities changing information about the virus, but most importantly, coping with their emotions and mental health. Because I'm seen as being heroic, I'm kind of expected to carry on being a hero, to to be perhaps superhuman. And I think that's a stress we put on our, our frontline workers, you know, to allow them to just be regular people with 
regular fears, anxieties for their families, for the for the disease itself, you know. Um, other things that have come out, um, a, a broad concept of burnout, yeah. So when we talk about burnout and we talk about trauma, there's some crossover there. Um, the things that people deal with on a, on a daily basis is, is a fear of infection, yeah. So if you're working on the front line, your, your chances of infection are so much higher and that you know that. And so the chances of, of infection for your family and people that you care for or live with are also higher. A sense of that people talked about often in, in their sessions of uh, hopelessness, of even of apathy. You know, your emotions become dull. There's just too much. And some people even suffering from a kind of don't care, apathetic attitude and really being shocked at this in themselves. I mean, I'm, if I experience myself as a caring person, suddenly I, I actually I've seen too much death. I've seen I'm too exhausted to even care. And you feel like you're kind of withdrawing in your, in your job. That's very confronting for people who used to be in caring and used to feeling in control at work, um, very common situation too. And also then feeling guilty about that, you know, why do I feel apathy? I'm supposed to be caring for these people. They really need me. But actually those are, can be very serious signs of depression or burnout that the person's dealing with. Um, people having flashbacks or even nightmares. So they try and get sleep because they're exhausted and then, then the images uh, of the day or the particularly difficult images of the day might come back to them in terms of uh, flashbacks or nightmares, seeing people dying, seeing people in high stress situations in ICU. Those kinds of things live with you. Even if you're coping with it at the time, it can come back afterwards and haunt you. Um, very distressing. Feelings that people uh, or uh, experiences that people can't eat and can't sleep or they're doing the opposite they're sleeping too much or eating too much a lot of people relate to that during the last period um, and not not relating to others so feeling kind of alienated cut off one of the stressful situations that health providers faced was multiple loss with the absence of family members and the team of social workers and psychologists in hospitals, frontline health providers have had to both nurse and care for terminal people and also comfort them in the last stages of their life. This has placed a spotlight on support needed by health providers in their work as we re-emphasize the need for health providers to seek help especially when they are unable to cope with the effects of trauma, high stress and burnout. What seems to have worked really well is where there was place made for that in teams of healthcare workers. Like there's a team leader that insists that there's some time during the day that they check in with each other. How are you doing? If they see somebody battling particularly to, to be more supportive, you know, incredibly beautiful stories that have come out of this of people really caring for each other um, it's the kind of situation that nobody could have got through none of us can get through this alone we really need each other and uh, need to ask for help when we're not coping 
Um, not something that healthcare workers are often that good at is asking for help. You're more used to giving help to being the helper. So important for those people after a stressful day, if you're living alone, to make contact with someone who cares for you, a friend, a family member, or even a professional who you can just download some of your day. Sometimes that's the last thing people want to do. They don't want to talk about their day. They just want to get home and watch some uh, soapy on TV or something completely uh, escapist to escape the trauma of their day, which is very understandable. Uh, sometimes people get home and they might be exhausted, but they can't sleep. They're too wired up, so they need to then uh, focus on something that we broadly call sleep hygiene, which is kind of preparing yourself for the best um, night or period of sleep. Um, and people who've done that have had really positive results. So you, you recognize that your sleep is disturbed and you give yourself the best possible chance of getting the most sleep, but also the deepest sleep to regenerate. Try to avoid uh, medication, sleeping pills, because they can easily become uh, addictive. You can become dependent on those. We really don't want that. But perhaps to use um, homeopathic or uh, alternative uh, medications, even like chamomile tea, something like that, just to like de-stress you before you go to sleep. It's exercise, absolutely crucial. Even if you can only find a few minutes, 20 minutes in a, in a day, breathing exercise is absolutely crucial. There's lots of those on the internet, some fantastic ones. Meditation and guided meditation, self-care, looking after me. Yeah? If I'm a healthcare worker, I'm used to looking after others. I need to turn that back to myself and look after me. In Cameroon, as in the rest of the world, health providers are experiencing shared trauma and strain with those they give care to as we experience COVID-19 together. My name is Epiefani. I'm a development actor working with the Cameroon Baptist Convention Health Services. As a frontline health provider in northwestern Cameroon, Epi has been working under immense pressure and has been experiencing levels of high stress such as hypervigilance and obsessive washing of hands. She has been struggling with the feeling of being resilient whilst coping with depression. The need for for, for self-protection wasn't there. So people had to go about their business because they had seen war. And so they were asking themselves, now if we have to stay at home because of COVID-19, how do we feed our families, you know? And so people felt like, this, this, basically the system was already overstretched. So there was very little um, in terms of additional support that the government was giving. In terms of psychosocial support, I think that this came in uh, maybe at some point, like kind of pretty late. But again, even with the availability of psychosocial support, very little or very few people were accessing these services. Not because it was not available, but I would say because people did not understand the importance of psychosocial support. Because I remember myself really being depressed when I heard the news about the number of um, deaths. I mean, I've lost a number of my, my friends in, in, uh, in the region from COVID-19, 
And so I became depressed, but as a service provider, I would say I did not really um, seek to, uh, to access psychosocial first aid. And so I, I, I think that in our context, we had built some kind of resilience that we felt that we could um, overcome the challenges by ourselves and just with family support, not necessarily having to go to a third party to, to have cancer. In this section, we hear from our health providers about how the information and guidance in this episode can be utilized by the health community beyond COVID-19 to ensure that communities have uninterrupted access to healthcare services. Here is Roger from South Africa again. One of the positive outcomes of COVID is that we've recognized uh, perhaps what hasn't been recognized enough, the emotional component of the work of frontline healthcare workers. Yeah, we've always known that this is stressful work and that uh, people die in hospitals and clinics. People are seriously ill in hospitals and clinics. We're giving um, difficult diagnoses all the time and coping with people's reactions to that and families. You know, people have accidents. They depend on the emergency services. They depend on the nursing staff in hospitals to give them information about their loved ones. This is stressful stuff. But COVID has given us the opportunity to, I suppose, uh, revamp or amp up, increase uh, those facilities. And um, so to take it seriously, take it seriously in ourselves, um, our own mental health, our own emotional health, as well as our physical health, uh, recognize the stresses of the job and have things in place for when we need them, not to leave it too late. And here is Epi from Cameroon again. Uh, for me, I think that um, having access to mental health services and psychosocial first aid is very, very important. I mean, we have learned that from our HIV work. And so it's a tool which we would not want to let go in the context of COVID-19. But again, because of the challenges we saw in implementing or, or providing uh, psychosocial support to people living with HIV, I think that the recommendation would be for um, health systems to be intentional in providing the services to the people without them requesting for it. You know, sometimes you will not understand the importance of a service until you actually benefit from it. You've been listening to the Pata podcast series. I'm Andisiwe May. We hope you enjoyed the Pata 2020 Summit titled Breakthrough and Build Back Together. The summit was a collaborative forum that brought together health providers and stakeholders united in a renewed call to action to accelerate efforts to end AIDS in children, adolescents, and young people. Recordings of the summit are available on the Team Pata YouTube page. You can find more information about Pata and our work by visiting our website at www.teampata.org and interact with our social media handles at Team Pata on Twitter and Instagram and at Pediatric Adolescent Treatment Africa on Facebook. This podcast was produced by Volume. Thank you for listening.
volume.